Hey, I'm excited uh, to hop into this uh, message because this is so, 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 so important, what we're talking about today. If you were here last week, you know we started our series, Habits, okay? And the whole point of this series is to develop healthy biblical habits, things that are gonna help you in your everyday walk with Jesus, right? But we're, we don't like talking about discipline, right? We don't like talking about habits because these are things that a lot of times discipline has a negative connotation to it. But discipline is actually a very important thing in every area of your life. The most successful people are the ones that are the most disciplined, right? I was just talking to uh, Jeff and Michelle this morning, actually, and and she was saying that they wake, they try to wake up at about 5 a.m. or around maybe 5.30 if you sleep in a little bit, you know what I'm saying, okay? Uh, five or 5.30 every single morning. And what they do first thing is they take, uh, they do a devotional together sometimes, they do it sometimes separately, but they pray, they spend time with Jesus together. And when you have that kind of discipline, that relationship that you have with the Lord is just gonna continue to grow. Your spiritual muscles are gonna get stronger. We talked about last week, how having spiritual muscles through prayer is so, is so important because there's gonna be attacks from the enemy all throughout your life. There's a spirit realm all around us of angels and demons that are fighting against each other and that are fighting for your life, right? And we have to have strong spiritual muscles and a strong relationship with God to withstand those attacks and then attack back and take ground for the enemy. Come on, if you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about, but I'm so pumped for this message today. We're getting into our second habit, which is Bible study, okay? Bible study. Now, uh, I got a woo from somebody, okay? I'm excited about that because when you talk about Bible study, that is generally not the thing that everybody's real excited about. They're like, ah, I gotta study this thing? Like, oh my goodness, this is so difficult. Uh, But I wanna read a verse for you today that's gonna set up this message. And uh, if you have a way to take notes, I would highly, this is a note-taking day. We're going to class today, guys, all right? Are you guys down for that? Can we go to class for a little bit today? Is that fine? Okay, we're gonna talk a little bit, a little bit of history of the Bible. We're gonna talk about a few other things, but make sure you have something to take notes with because I promise you will need it and you will forget all this and you'll want it for later. So uh, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What a cool verse, right? The word of God is alive, it is active, it is sharper than a sword that penetrates every fiber of who you are. Every thought that you have, every intention that you have, the word of God can judge that. And and, and you will feel that sometimes, right? When you start to read the word, if you're somebody that does study the Bible, you read that verse and you're like, oh man, that just cuts right to the core. Oh man, like I needed that right then, right now. That exact word is is the word that I needed. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. And, And the problem that we have though, I hear this all the time. This is a normal thing that I hear from people and you might've thought this at some point in your life. So, so bear with me. Uh, you might've said this, the Bible is just too hard for me to understand. You ever thought that before? The Bible is just really hard to understand. And many, many Christians say this on a regular basis. This isn't something uh, that, that you know, just a few people say. I've heard this from students 
that have just come to the faith. I've heard this from people that have been in church for 40 to 50 years, and yet they have a hard time cracking this thing open, not this thing, this thing. They have a hard time cracking this thing open and understanding what is in these pages. But you gotta think, right? The next logical thought that you would have if you say, well, the Bible's really hard to understand, you might think, well, how am I supposed to have a relationship with God if I can't even understand the Bible? I mean, these are like the holy scriptures that we're supposed to know inside and out. This is how we get to know God. This is how we have this relationship with him. And if I can't understand what's going on in here, how am I supposed to understand God? And am I even supposed to understand God? I mean, he's just like this lofty being. It just gets real difficult. And, and so... Uh, last, this last Wednesday, uh, Rachel and Udi are youth directors and they're actually in California for a wedding right now. And so uh, me and Emmanuel, who was playing acoustic this morning, uh, were leading uh, the youth with his wife, Diana, and he was giving the, uh, the Bible study. And we got to one point and I, I kind of thought, well, this is something that maybe not everybody knows. And I was like, let me just kind of interject something real quick and see if anybody knows it. So I asked a question, say, hey, does anybody know uh, about this? And no one really answered. And I said, well, let me explain this. And so I started talking. I said, well, this is how this goes. And, and then this person and this, that, and the other. And then one of the students uh, that was sitting right next to me said, hey, hey she cut me off. She said, hey, Pastor Trevor, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> I have no clue. The words that you're saying right now don't mean anything to me, okay? I, I have no context for what you're talking about at all. And she said, I kind of had this stunned look on my face, you know, and, and she really, that's all she said was, I have no idea what you're talking about. And within that like next two or three seconds, I probably had a very just shocked slash confused look on my face. Cause I was just like, oh, okay. Um, and so then she kept talking to kind of qualify what she meant. She said, well, you know, I, I didn't grow up in church and you know, I gave my life to Jesus when we went to youth camp and this is all so new for me. Uh, that I don't really understand. Like you start talking about disciples, like I don't know who those guys are. You start all these names and places and dates and events and things like that. I don't know what in the world any of this means. And then the students started talking about wanting to get a Bible study together specifically so that they could start to understand some of these things a little bit better. I absolutely love that, but it really put some things in perspective for me. But it makes sense, right? I mean, the Bible's a large book. And in high school, uh, I know you probably had some kind of summer reading. We were talking about summer reading this morning and maybe you had some books in middle school and high school that your teacher brings in and, they, and your teacher says, okay, uh, we're gonna read this book and you have to have it done in a month. And then that book is about that thick. You know what I'm talking about? And you're just like, oh my goodness. The book for me, it was called The Count of Monte Cristo, okay? You've read, oh wow, almost everybody's read this book. This illustration is gonna land so hard right now. Okay, uh, so it's a great book. It's an epic narrative. It's absolutely amazing, this book. Uh, and, and, and as a high school kid or at eighth grade, ninth grade, I can't remember when we read it. Uh, it was awesome, but the teacher brings in that book. It is 1,276 pages. That book is all there, okay? It is all there. Um, and so maybe some of you guys are readers. How many, we got readers in the place today? Are you a reader? okay. Leaders are readers, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying right now, okay. Uh, you might have that book done before breakfast. You're just like, this is me, I love reading, it's my favorite thing to do. Me, not so much, okay. I was more of an active kid, so I was out doing things in the world and uh, I would play sports all the time, so I was out hanging out with my friends playing basketball, playing baseball, doing different things like that. Uh, it's hard to get me to sit still for a while. Undiagnosed, probably ADHD, you know what I'm saying? So like reading a book, not really my choice of activities, okay? And so 
but it's, it's intimidating. It, even for a reader, that's an intimidating book to look at. If you enjoy reading, it's like, man, this is a big undertaking. I really got to commit to this, you know? Uh, and I can understand how that's very intimidating thinking in high school, I have to read all of this in a set amount of time and then take tests about it. That's crazy, right? But then uh, you look at your Bible, right? This Bible here, uh, if you scroll through it, and I went to the back just to see, I was curious. This Bible has over 2,000 pages in it, okay? Count of Monte Cristo, 1,276. My Bible, 2,000, okay? And I even have like the, the young eyes version, you know what I'm saying? Where like the print's real tiny, like you can barely even see the words, you know, real, real small version here, okay? Uh, some of y'all got that big, big print, like I have over 50, over 60 print, you know what I'm talking about? And then it's like 4,000 pages, okay? It takes, that's a lot of paper, y'all. That's a lot of paper. But uh, it's difficult, right, to read through all of this and you're like, oh my gosh, this is intimidating. This is intimidating. I got... What, first Samuel, second Samuel, Joshua, who's Joshua, right? Ephesians, what, the, the church at Ephesus? Like, what is this? Who are these people? And why are we writing to them? Who's right? I don't even know, all right? And it's intimidating. We got a lot of pages to get through, but these are our holy scriptures. And so we kind of feel this, this weight and this pull to read it. And yet it's, it's very difficult. And so some of us maybe shy away from it. And, but then on top of that, you see how many pages it is. Then there's dozens of translations. You have no idea, like, which one should I pick? There's all kinds of translations. And, and if you have the King James version, maybe you grew up on that, good luck to you, okay? Like good luck because thus saith the Lord, these and thous and thines and all this stuff. It's not even a language that most of us really even speak anymore, okay? Even back then, let's be honest, they didn't really speak it, okay? Like, you know, 50, 60 years ago, that was the Bible translation. And now we have all these different ones and it's, it's a lot easier for us to understand. But if you grew up on that, Maybe you never really understood the Bible because of that. And so you just kind of gave up trying to study your Bible because it's difficult to understand. It might as well be Mandarin to me. I don't even understand. So, uh, so then you go through all these translations, like which one do I choose? I have no idea which one do I choose. Okay, maybe I, I finally have a translation that is normal English for me, but now I still don't understand what's happening. You might read some Old Testament scriptures and think, well, this God seems a lot different than the Jesus that we see in the New Testament. Maybe you see some Old Testament verses that look like they might contradict what I read in the New Testament. And then uh, why are there testaments? What is a testament, right? Uh, who, what's the difference? Who wrote each book? Who are they writing to? Does that even really matter? I'm not good at reading. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a Jewish history expert. I don't read Greek or Hebrew. I'm just a normal person trying to understand this complicated and yet powerful book so that I can have a better relationship with God. That's all I want. I just wanna be able to understand this and read this book so I can have a better relationship with the Lord. So why is this so hard? I, mean, I think many of us maybe have gotten to that point in our lives at some point in your walk with God and you've been intimidated by this book and, and you know, after hearing that student stop me mid-sentence, like as I'm trying to explain something and some things that I think are fairly common knowledge, right? I thought, well, most of these students would probably understand this or know this or this might be interesting to them and, it just had like no idea what I was talking about. And it got me thinking, how many of us Christians stay in that place for our whole lives? How many of us stay in that place where we're so intimidated and you get frustrated? You might get discouraged because you're just like, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. And instead of reading the living, active and powerful word of God that can transform you, 
that can shape you, that can sharpen you, that can direct you, that can change your entire life, you shy away from it and you don't end up reading it because you simply don't know what to do with it, right? And so today I wanna help you learn the what, the why, and the how of Bible. The what, the why, and the how of the Bible and of Bible study. And this is our second habit that we're gonna develop over the course of this next week and then beyond. And if you develop a love for God's word, I promise you, you read it on a regular basis, God will use it to change your life forever. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. All right, okay, let's get into this. So I told you we were gonna go to school a little bit and I hope that you'll bear with me. This is very important stuff that I really feel like I needed to get across today. I'm not gonna be preaching today as much as I'm teaching. So just kind of understand that uh, that's what we're doing today. So um, the first question that we wanna ask is what is the Bible? What even is this thing, right? Like we gotta figure out what this is before we're gonna jump in to study it. Like, it doesn't make sense to get into the, uh, the how and, and, and the why if we don't know what this thing is. We're not gonna do a full history lesson because that could take forever, okay? But we're gonna do a brief overview of what the Bible is. The Bible is a book, uh, it's comprised of 66 individual books and you could almost view them as chapters in one larger story. There's two Testaments, an old and a new. And the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and it was written over the span of about a thousand years. Okay, this is a thousand years uh, that that Old Testament was written. And it tells the story of how humankind came about, how we fell away from God, and then how our relationship between God and his people was fractured and then brought back together and this kind of struggle between uh, and this relationship that God has with his chosen people. And then the New Testament was written in Greek and it tells the story of how God redeemed all of humankind right, by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. In the beginnings of the Christian church, uh, the difference of opinions that people had and, and what do we do now that Jesus is gone and now we're trying to figure out what it looks like to, to do church together and to live together and to worship Jesus together. And then it ends with prophecies about the end of this world and our future with God. And so that's kind of a brief overview of that. And, and this verse right here is really important. It's 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says this, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is what? Say it with me, say God breathed. God breathed, man. It's God breathed, it's important. It's divinely inspired. By God. And Paul is writing to his student Timothy and he's saying, hey, listen, every bit of this is helpful for you. Every bit of this is gonna help you in your everyday life. It's gonna help you in your walk with the Father. It's gonna help you to, to understand God better. It's gonna help you in so many different ways. So don't neglect it. Don't neglect it, Timothy. And he's, he's primarily writing in, about the Old Testament, right? Because that verse is found in the New Testament. So he's writing about the Old Testament scripture saying that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for all these things. But, but what we believe now is that the uh, instruction from the apostles and the words of Jesus that they recorded in the gospels are also divinely inspired by God. And in the same way, those scriptures themselves are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training and all these things. And this is a very, very important place to start. This is the only place to start as a matter of fact, because if you don't believe that this book is divinely inspired by God, you have no reason to study it. If you don't believe that right off the bat, 
You're not gonna be encouraged. You're not gonna want to study it. You're not gonna have the motivation to study it because if you just think it's just a, a group of writings from a bunch of dudes that lived a couple thousand years ago that knew a few things about God, that's fine. But, but that's not exactly what this is. This is divinely inspired by God himself. And if you view the Bible through that lens, now you're probably gonna be a little bit more motivated to get to know it a little bit better, right? Because I wanna know God. This has power, this, is, this has authority, this is amazing. I, I want to read this more. That's the first place you have to start. If you don't believe that it is divinely inspired by God, if you don't believe that it's true, let me help you with a little bit of facts for those people that are out there that are like, I'm a little skeptical about stuff like this. Okay, listen here. The Bible was written over a 1600 year period. It's 66 books by over 40 authors on three continents. It was written in three languages, okay? Greek, Hebrew, and then a little bit of, does anybody know? What is it, the third one? Aramaic, come on, let's go, Aramaic, that's right. But it tells one story of God's love for his people, one story. No book in history has been written over that long of a period of time, that many books by over 40 authors, and yet they all say the same thing. They all have the same story about God loving his people. And it's this massive story of how much he loves you and he loves me and the relationship that we have with him. And this is really cool. I wanna show you this too. Uh, this is a graphic, uh, if you've never seen this, this is absolutely incredible. This is a graphic that shows every cross reference that is found in the Bible. Every one of those arcs is one reference that references another passage in the Bible. There is 63,779 cross references from each of the books in the Bible pointing toward one another. Some from thousands of years ago to a one that's right after Jesus was alive. And then maybe Jesus was referencing something that happened thousands of years before. And then the colors actually represent uh, how far away the cross-reference is. So the ones that you see at the very top, like the red actually is the farthest, I believe. And then the purple and the blue at the bottom, those are a little bit closer. And it just makes this beautiful uh, rainbow of cross-references to show how interconnected every passage of scripture really is. The Bible's the best-selling book of all time. Wars have been fought over it. Cultures have been created by it. Our culture, whether you know it or not, was created off of biblical principles. Were they perfect, the founding fathers? No, but they came here so that they could worship God and do things their own way, right? Our entire American culture started as a Christ-following culture. It was based off of a lot of these principles that we find in scripture. And science proves it more and more as time goes on. As time goes on and we have better instruments and ways to, uh, to excavate and different things like that, we actually find more and more evidence of the authenticity of scripture and the importance of scripture and that actually many of the things that people said, well, there's no way that actually happened. We're finding, well, yes, they actually did. And it's not just us saying it anymore. It's now science that's proving many of these things. And so uh, Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is an important book. Why? Because these words will last forever. This world will pass away one day, but this word right here will never, ever, 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 ever be gone. It will never fail you, right? Because these are the actual words of God. That's what we believe as Christ followers. So um, we say, number one is what is the Bible? So now we know what the Bible is. Number two is why should I study it? 
If I know what it is, that's fine, but why should I study the Bible? What's the motivation for me to do that? Other than knowing that it's divinely inspired, what are some practical reasons that I should study it? And I think you gotta start right at John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So John, as he's writing this, he starts the beginning of his writings by calling Jesus the word. He starts right off the bat, In the beginning was the word, Jesus. The word was with God, the word was God. He's saying Jesus is God and he is the word of God. And so what is he saying right there? That's kind of a a difficult passage, right? If you're one of those people, it's like, I don't understand the Bible. You're like, what is this reincarnation? Like weird stuff, like what's going on here? I understand what John is saying is that he's explaining that Jesus is God, but not only that, but that he is actually God's word in the flesh, He is God's word. Anything that Jesus says is actually the words of God. And this is really important because Jesus himself said that everything I say is not from me. Everything I say is from the father. And I'll prove it to you right here, John 12, 49. I don't speak on my own authority. This is Jesus talking. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So I wanna ask you a question real quick. What if one day, after you are long gone and you have died, you're not here anymore, okay? Everything that you have ever said, anything you've ever texted, anything that you've ever put in writing or have actually said out loud was given to a random stranger. It was given to a random stranger. Now, some of you are very nervous right now <laughs> if that was to happen, okay? Texts, emails, phone calls, Facebook comments and messages, let me tell you, Snapchats, students, you know what I'm talking about, okay? Some of y'all are getting real nervous now, okay? Uh, then this stranger studied all those things that you said for the rest of their life. That's all they did. They just studied it for the rest of their life. Whenever they had free time, they would crack open this book of things that John has said in his life, things that David said in his life, things uh, that, 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 that Lindsay said in her life, right? And we go through this massive study for their whole lives. That's all they do is study the things that you've said. How well do you think that they would know you based off of, you're not even here, but just off the things that you've said. They know you pretty well, right? They know you very well. And when you read your Bible, this is the first point in this one. When you read your Bible, you get to know God better. That's just simply what happens. You get to know God better, what he cares about, what he doesn't care about, how he handles situations, how he loves people, how he talks and his thoughts on practical things in our lives like marriage, raising kids, conflict, work, and more. And when you learn what he thinks, feels, and cares about, you're more likely to live in a way then that would honor him, right? If, if you know the things that he feels and you know who he is because you've looked at those words and you've studied them, right? Then you're gonna live in a way that honors God even more. And Psalm 119, 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. I don't wanna sin against God. So I gotta store up the words in my heart because I don't wanna ever do anything that's gonna sin, uh, that's gonna go against God. So let's say, gentlemen, for example here, uh, your wife asks you to go to the store. She gives you a list, okay? And all it's got, I know, we're already nervous. (laughs) So she gives you a list and all it says is eggs, milk, and cheese. That's all it says, nothing else. So then you go, you know, like, all right, I gotta go to the store. So you get in the car, you drive down to H-E-B, God's grocery store, you know what I'm saying? And so you get on down there uh, and then you walk in and you go up first to the eggs and you think, oh my goodness, 
there are a lot of eggs here. I don't know what to pick. There's different grades of eggs. There's large eggs, there's smaller eggs, there's white eggs, there's brown eggs, there's cheap eggs. But then you got like Farmer Joe's just got them out of the chicken yesterday eggs. You know what I'm talking about? There's those kinds of eggs, all different kinds of things. And, and you're like, I don't know what to pick. And then you go over to the milk and then you look at all the milks. You got vitamin D milk, you got whole milk, you got 1%, 2% milk. What's going on here? There's all kinds of different, you got chocolate milk. Maybe she's like, want some chocolate milk. I don't know, who knows? All it says is milk. And then you go to the cheese aisle, okay? And you walk over there. That'd probably be my personal favorite aisle. And so you walk over there and then you got shredded cheese. You got Mexican cheese. You got Monterey cheese. You got slices. You got wheels. You got gorgonzola. You know what I'm saying? You got all kinds of things and all different kinds of cheeses. You got mozzarella cheese. You got cheese sticks. Oh, hello, Lord help me. Come on now. You got, oh, that's some good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Courage was excited about that one. About to go get some cheese sticks later today. You got queso. We're about to have, how many of y'all watching the Cowboys game? You're gonna be making some queso today. You know what I'm talking about. That's gonna be a good game. God bless them in the name of Jesus. All right. <laughs> this close, okay, all right. <laughs> but let's say you just pick up a few kinds of things and you come back home. Your wife opens up the bag and she says, um, what is this? <laughs> what is this? And she opens it up and she sees a wheel of, gorgonzola cheese, chocolate milk, and Cadbury Easter eggs. Babe, what are you doing? This is obviously not what I wanted at all. And then the husband innocently says, I I didn't know what to get. All you said was eggs, milk, and cheese. So I got eggs, milk, and cheese. You know, I brought it home, uh, brought home the bacon for you, babe. And, And then she looks at you and says, honey, what are you doing? You've seen the stuff in the fridge. You've seen me cook all the time with these things. I pour the milk into your cereal with this specific milk. I mean, you don't see it in the fridge all the time. Uh, I bring you cheese when you cook burgers. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, how did you not know what I wanted you to get? It's in our home all the time. And when you read your Bible, you'll protect yourself from sin. What is sin? Sin simply means missing the mark, okay? And the man in that story missed the mark. There was an instruction, right? And there was something that was to be done, but the man missed the mark in the story because he didn't know his wife well enough. He didn't know the things that were in the home well enough where she just writes this down, right? And she's expecting that the man's gonna know what to do, right? But he doesn't know because he's not paying attention. He doesn't know her well enough. And let me tell you, if Lindsay sent me to the grocery store, I would have no idea what to do. Absolutely no clue. But sometimes I feel like this is how we walk in our everyday lives with Jesus. How many times have we sinned against God simply because we don't know what he expects of us? We don't know. I have no clue what God expects of me because I'm not in the word. We don't know him well enough. We don't know his voice. We don't know his tone, how he handles things, how he wants us to live. And so that's so important. Reading your Bible will will keep you away from sinning against God. You store up those words in your heart. Like David said, I've stored them up in my heart so that I won't sin against you. And not only that, but when you read your Bible, you're also equipped for good works. How many of y'all wanna do good works in your life? I wanna be a good person. I wanna be successful. I have some good works in my life. I don't wanna do bad things. I would like to do good things. That's a generally good thing to think. And we're gonna go back to 2 Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Here we go. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I don't wanna do a bad job in my life. I would like to be successful. I'd like to have healthy 
positive relationships with people and do good things for the world and do good things for my community and for my family in general. I wanna do good works. And so Paul is telling Timothy, if you will hold scripture at a high place of authority in your life, you will be molded by it, you will be trained by it, and you'll be equipped to do every good thing. God's gonna be able to use your life to do something great, but you have to not neglect the words that are in this book. And so you say, okay, I understand what the Bible is, and, and I understand that, that I'm supposed to study it now. And I get that these words are inspired by God. They're helpful for me to grow in my personal life and in my everyday life. That's cool, my relationship with God. But that doesn't help me with the biggest issue, Pastor Trevor. Uh, it is so confusing. I have no idea where to start or how to read it. And I have so many different people that say so many different things about the Bible and how to interpret the Bible different ways and there's whole denominations that are based off of interpreting this book in different ways. So how do I know which way is right? How do I know which way is true? And if I can be completely honest with you guys, there's not a perfect way to know. Can we just be honest? There's not. There's not a perfect way to be correct about everything. And if there was a perfect way, we wouldn't have dozens and dozens, I think even hundreds of Christian denominations. It, we would all be united as one because we would all have the same information and we would know everything perfectly. It would make perfect sense to everybody, but it honestly just doesn't. And even the best of theologians, even the people that study this as their job, they get paid a lot of money to study this book right here and to teach it to other people, even they disagree. And I think for me, and for even as a pastor, can I just be honest? Even for me, that's tough. Because I see different pastors and different denominations saying different things. And it's like, well, what is true and what's not? Because we have to believe that there is truth, right? Our world now says that everything is relative. Truth is relative. And I understand how we got there because we have so much information. It is an information overload that everybody thinks that they have the correct answer to everything. And we also incorporate that with the Bible as well. And if there's people that study this for a living and even they disagree, well, then how am I supposed to know what to think? And I understand that can be really, really daunting and that can be frustrating, but do not let the frustration of not knowing everything perfectly stop you from studying this Bible. Can I just encourage you with that today? Don't stop studying your Bible. And if you've let that stop you in the past, don't let it stop you anymore. Start somewhere. Start with something that we all agree about. Start with the words of Jesus, right? Start with the words of Jesus that are encouraging. Start in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, just start there and let the words of Jesus flow over you. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will actually illuminate scripture to you. That is amazing that God's spirit actually helps you to understand what's going on here. You don't have to do it by yourself. Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit are there to help you to interpret this for yourself. Don't let that stop you. So it's so confusing, I understand, but I wanna give you some practical tips and tricks. Guys, we could do a YouTube video about this, guys. We're gonna cut this up, put it on YouTube later, right? How do I study the Bible, okay? That's the third question that we are answering today. And this is where you're really gonna wanna take some notes because I got a lot of things for you. There's seven types of scripture. I don't know if you knew that. There are seven kinds. Not all of them read the same. For example, you wouldn't read Harry Potter and think, I would love to go visit Hogwarts one day. That would just, it sounds like a really cool place uh, that's a real place that I can go to and actually hang out at. For some of y'all, you wish that it was a real place because it's awesome. Anyway, but uh, all the Harry Potter nerds out there say, hey, okay, there's like four of y'all. <laughs> you just outed yourselves, okay? Uh, 
And so you wouldn't say, hey, I wanna go visit Hogwarts because guys, it's not real, okay? It's a story, it's fiction. So you read it as fiction. You're not reading it thinking that it's real. Uh, in, in the same way, you wouldn't read a short poem or something like that, like a three sentence poem and then expect an introduction, a character development. Then you're gonna get a climax and you're gonna get a resolution. You're not gonna get that in a short poem. That's not what it is meant for. That's not how you read it. And so in the same way, there's different types of scripture. And if you know what type of genre of scripture that you're reading, it's gonna help you to understand first how to read it. Because that's so important. You can't just read every, every bit of scripture the same way. They're all different. And now some of y'all are like, now this is getting even more complicated, pastor. Thank you for that. So I'm just trying to help you because if you start there, it's gonna help a lot. For example, some things are meant to be read literally. Other things are meant to be read figuratively. If I said, you're so dumb, you guys are so dumb, right? What's the, the connotation there? I'm joking around, right? But if I said, you are so dumb, now I'm angry, okay? And now we're in a fight, all right? But those two things, I said the exact same thing, but yet they have completely different connotations. That's why so many fights happen over text because you can say you're so dumb and if somebody takes that the wrong way, now you're in a world of trouble and you're like, whoa, 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 I was just joking around. I was just messing, like, like saying, oh, playful, you're just so dumb. And that's why you can't ever have a serious conversation over text. Don't ever do that because it'll get you in trouble real quick. Um, even the words are the same. It could mean something completely different. So here's the different types of scripture. I think they're already up there maybe, but... Uh, the first one is law. The first one is law. And if you haven't already, take a picture of that. I know it's probably pretty small up there, but you can find this anywhere. Uh, the first one is law, and that would be Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then most of y'all are like, I try to stay away from those because I don't wanna read all these weird laws. Okay, I understand. These were instructions for the Israelites, for God's chosen people. And this is just God establishing the relationship with his people, giving them instructions for how they were supposed to live. And that's how you have to read it. Were these instructions for you specifically? No, okay, these were for the Israelites. Can you learn important principles from the instructions that God gave? Yes, you can. Now, some of them are way out there, like don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. Remember we talked about that a while back? That is a weird verse. Don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. How does that apply to my everyday life, pastor? I'm gonna do a whole sermon series off of that. No, I'm not gonna do that. Why? Because that is a law specifically for the Israelites and that point in time. And that was the first genre of scripture. So the second one is a narrative. The Bible includes uh, lots of sections which simply tell the story of this is what happened. Okay, this is just what happened. Uh, like for example, Exodus is a law book, but it also is an epic narrative of how Moses takes the people, let my people go, and they get millions of people potentially out of Egypt, part the Red Sea. It's awesome. And that you might as well be reading a fiction story in a sense, because it's got those same kind of narrative elements, right? Really cool storytelling there. And then Ruth focuses on the story of one family. It just goes into, hey, this is a story of a family that lived. And Acts in the New Testament uh, tells of these amazing events of the first generation of Christians. So a narrative tells us what happened according to the purposes of the author for the people that they were writing to. And sometimes there's spiritual lessons from these things. And sometimes, honestly, we're just gaining some context of the history of what happened in those times. The next one would then be poetry. And this is all of the Psalms and sections of a few other books. And, and the power of poetry comes through. It uses such 
vivid figurative language. And a lot of it is repeated. There's phrases that are repeated. Some of them actually rhyme in the original languages they would actually have rhymed or they would have uh, been set up differently. They don't translate as well to English, but a lot of the Psalms, basically all of the Psalms is simply poetry and songs that David actually wrote. Um, Then the next one, or that one, the only other thing I wanna say about that one is it expresses more emotion than it does like telling you something specific. There's a lot of emotions that David is feeling through most of the Psalms. Not all of them are written by him, but it's, it's, the point is that you feel what David felt, right? That's what you're supposed to do in those. Just like music, when you go to a concert, you feel something, right? When we sing together, as much as we're worshiping God, we're, we're, there's these emotions that come over us as we sing and as we worship God. Music is powerful, amen? Like it really is, it's powerful. We use it as a way to connect with God, but even just in general, music is powerful and there's a lot of emotions that come along with that. So the next one would then be wisdom. And that's Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. And honestly, they're just collections of wise sayings, right? You read through the book of Proverbs, a lot of people will read one proverb a day and you can get through it in a month. That's a great way to read the book of Proverbs. And it's just uh, basically wise sayings that shape your morals and your ethics. That's basically what Proverbs does. And Job and Ecclesiastes are very similar to that. But in the New Testament, you have James. And James, I will admit, is my favorite book of the Bible. I love the book of James, it's amazing. It just has such practical advice from the New Testament, right? Not from the Old Testament, but from the New, and it kind of hits a little bit different. Uh, and so James is basically a, a version of Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes in the New Testament. Next one is prophecy. And there's four major ones, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then there's 12 minor prophets. You gotta read those as prophecy, okay? Some of the prophecies are for those people at that specific time. And some prophecies like Daniel and Revelation are actually for us in the future. Maybe even people that live long after we are even gone. Then you have the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What are those doing? It's its own genre because it's telling the story of Jesus himself. And the people who wrote them lived with Jesus. They walked with Jesus and they were believers in Jesus. These are firsthand accounts of what happened with Jesus in his life. And so you read them as kind of these faith documents of saying, hey, this is what happened. This is what Jesus did for me. And then you have the letters. Uh, They're called epistles, but letters is a little bit easier for us to understand. So the letters were communications to specific individuals or to specific churches about specific problems or events that they were dealing with in their church at that point in time, okay? So a lot of times people will take the, the letters and they'll say, well, this applies to me and this applies to our church specifically. And it's like, well, not necessarily because he was writing different things to different churches. How many of you know that God deals with us differently? Did you know that? Not everything, not everything is blanket. Like there's some things that are absolutely true that God says, hey, this is good for everybody. Don't worship any other gods, right? That is for everybody, all right? But there's some other things that God might deal with you personally on a personal level that's not a struggle for somebody else. They might deal with something that God deals with them a little bit differently, but for you, it's, it's not really a big deal. And I think a lot of people don't realize that God has a specific way of dealing with you on an individual level. And he also deals with us as a group of Christians and as believers as a whole. But you gotta understand the difference. When Paul is writing these letters to all these different churches, He's dealing with a specific problem and a specific people at a specific time. Once again, can you learn things from it? Absolutely. But don't take it as a hard and fast rule always. And you could do more study into that if you wanna get into that. So um, those are the different types 
uh, and you see those up there, you can take a picture, and there's so many different kinds of genres. And when you sit down and you study the Bible uh, and you understand what genre you're reading, you've already done about a quarter of the battle of understanding what you're reading, right? So now you know that, now you can understand your Bible a quarter better. There we go, we're moving, we're moving people, we're getting there. Um, and so if you don't understand the genre, many times you can misapply it and you can misunderstand what you're reading. And so, uh, all right, all right, let's take a break. So we're, we're having a good time, we're learning here. It's a lot of information, okay? Just take pictures, we can look at it later. I understand the books, I understand the genres now, Pastor. Not all books should be read the same but what translation should I use now, okay? There are people that will fight tooth and nail over what translation of the Bible to use, which is so crazy to me because it's not even that big of a deal when you really look at it, but I'll break it down for you guys. Um, there's two sides of the spectrum. You see this right here, types of Bible translations. I like this one the most uh, that I saw. It's easy to take a picture of. So different types of uh, Bible translations. One on the left you'll see is word for word, and then you have thought for thought, and then you have idea for idea. And at the bottom, it makes more sense. You got a literal dynamic and paraphrase. So the ones on the right are gonna be way more paraphrased. They're gonna be a lot easier to understand. It's gonna be a much more common language. If you have a hard time studying scripture, you've never studied the Bible before, and you're like, I don't wanna go into a King James and the these and the thous and all this stuff, then I would say to start on the right side and start with something that's easy to digest, okay? And then on the left is where people like me and maybe Bible scholars, they might tend to go a little bit farther that direction. Uh, it's gonna be more literal, word for word translation, but it might be a little bit harder if you understand. But most people, I would say, if you wanna start somewhere, start right in the middle. Um, and there's a few different translations uh, that are really helpful. And if you wanna dive into like a Greek and Hebrew meaning, more literal stuff, go to that way. If you wanna just understand something or have a different perspective on that, go with the paraphrase. But just like anything, don't start with the most complicated option, okay? The toddlers and the babies that were up here, you're not gonna give them the Count of Monte Cristo anytime soon and expect them to digest that and understand what it's saying. No, you give them books that have pictures in them. Why? Because they don't know how to read. You start small. And if you're a baby in Jesus, you're a baby in your faith, you're new to the faith, or maybe you've never studied scripture before, that'd be a great place to start. You can move on to the left side whenever you want, but get something that's not gonna discourage you because you don't understand it, right? Start somewhere easy for you. Um, so I usually read from three different ones and I'll tell you what they are. Uh, I read from the ESV, that's what this one is. Uh, and that's kind of more my word, uh, word for word, my literal translation. And then the NIV is a very popular one that's gonna be right in the middle. And then the NLT is gonna be farther to the right. I like that one too. A lot of people will use the message. And I like that one as a paraphrase, but it's specifically so that I can get a different perspective on something. You're not reading that and thinking like, this is the exact word of God kind of a thing. Yes, it is, but it's more of a, a paraphrase, right? You gotta think of it that way, understand what you're reading, right? And so um, that's an easy one to digest. I know a lot of students will start there. So those are my three favorites, ESV, NIV, and NLT, if you don't know where to start. And so now that you have the translations, there's other tools that you can use to help you study the Bible better too. That's study Bibles, commentaries, and devotionals. We're gonna go through this super fast because I have a very important thing I need to tell you at the end to help you study the Bible. It's a resource we got for you. So study Bibles have some kind of commentary with them, okay? And there's different kinds of study Bibles. Um, my Bible is the uh, Fire Bible. It's the ESV Fire Bible. And I love this thing. 
The reason why I use it is because it comes from a Pentecostal perspective, which is what I would lean more towards theologically, okay? Um, but there's also a student edition that really helped me when I was in high school and college. It deals with things that, uh, that students are gonna deal with more often. And it's, it's gonna have commentary, cross-references, uh, and my favorite part are the articles in mine. It has different articles about things that you might deal with. It has an article about worship, wine in the Bible. If you're wondering about wine and alcohol, okay, like what do we do about that? How do I raise my kids in a great way? We just did baby dedications. How do I raise my kids? There's an article about that. It gives you a bunch of scriptures. Um, the authority and inspiration of scripture has lots of different things, really cool. And these Bibles will help you make some sense of some of the bigger topics that you might deal with. Um, like I said, my favorite is the ESV Fire Bible. And, but there's others too. And I want, I want to go through these real fast. The Maxwell Leadership Bible. If you are interested in leadership and you wanna see what the Bible, uh, you filter through the lens of leadership. John Maxwell is the bomb at leadership uh, and the Bible. There's a cultural background Bible, which is so cool because then you can, if you're not a Jewish historian, okay, there's so much history that plays into the Bible. I love seeing how the Bible relates back to the culture of that day. That's a great place to start if you're interested in that kind of thing. The Life Application Bible. I just wanna know how the Bible applies to my everyday life right here, right now. What can I do to take that verse and do something about it? Get the Life Application Bible. And then some of y'all are like, I wanna try to read the Bible in a year. Get the Daily Bible. That's what, it'll take you through the Bible in 365 days. That's a great place to start. I just wanna give you a few of those right there. Then also there's websites that you can go to as well. Take a picture of this. You're gonna need this, biblegateway.com, Crosswalk. One of my favorites, I don't always agree with everything on there, but it's a great place to start, is gotquestions.org. It's real simple. If you ever looked up a Bible question before, you've probably seen one of these pop up. And then biblestudy.org is really good as well. Um, then we have devotionals. Devotionals are really important. Um, these are short uh, passages and short little things that will help you to uh, study the Bible in the morning when you first wake up, like Michelle and Jeff do. I asked them actually this morning, which one do you guys use? Many people will use Jesus Calling. Have you ever used that before? It's really cool because it actually talks uh, from God to you, which is very interesting. It's a good perspective, right? Uh, we're, you don't take this as scripture necessarily, okay? But, but it's a good place to just kind of reflect on uh, things that God might be saying to you, right? This is how God talks and just let kind of this, these reflections uh, wash over you like that. Then you have the one year uncommon life daily challenge. What a name. But that's by my man, Tony Dungy. I had to put a football reference in here, guys. Tony Dungy has that right there. Really, really cool. So men, if you're like, I don't wanna study the Bible, but I'll study that, right? That's cool. Start there, okay? Just start there and then let that get you into something deeper. Then the last thing is Bible study apps. Bible study apps. Now this is huge. Pretty much everybody has a smartphone nowadays, okay? And these are actually also uh, on desktop and on the web if you need that. You can pull it up on your TV, all this stuff. The YouVersion Bible app is extremely important in my everyday life. I read from my phone Bible every day. It's from Life Church, and they have an amazing resource. Uh, all of these different translations that I just told you about, and we actually were joking this morning, me and my buddy Courage that's here, uh, he was reading from the Hawaiian Bible. I didn't even know it was a thing. And it's just the coolest thing to get to see kind of their different language and how they uh, interpret scripture and they put it into kind of this native language. I love it, it's so cool. And so you have all these different translations you can read and it will set reminders for you to pray. I have a reminder every morning that says, hey, it's your daily reminder to pray. And it happens every morning at 7 a.m. That comes from that app and encourages me. They have plans, devotionals, different things like that. 
But this is the most important thing I wanna tell you about. And right now, media, okay? Right now, media, if you don't know what this is, this is the Netflix of Bible studies. And we actually, as a church, have got a subscription to Right Now Media for you, okay? And it has so many different Bible studies. It has things for your kids. It has actually, you know, 10, 15 minute episodes of Bible studies for your children that are animated, that are really cool, really fun, that you can just put on on your TV. You can put it on a tablet, on a phone. Uh, if they're going crazy in church, you just give them right now media on the tablet, you know what I'm saying? So uh, it's really, really fun. And what I love most about it is that they have popular preachers that you would probably know if you've been in church any period of time, okay? Preachers that go through books of the Bible and they actually go to the places that they're talking about. So there's one, Francis Chan, it's a great teacher that I like. He's standing in the middle of the Jordan River. He's standing in Capernaum where Jesus walked. Like he's, he's in Israel. He's walking around Jerusalem, all these different places. That's incredible, right? Jesus is walking around all these places and now Francis Chan is just chilling there, like standing, saying, hey, this is where Jesus would have walked and this is where he would have gone. And then it just kind of connects all these things. If you can't go to Israel, at least you can watch Francis Chan hang out in Israel, okay? So uh, you have the ability to download this onto your phone and we have an access code that I will email every single person that's on our email database later today, okay? So if you have not already filled out a connect card or if you don't ever get our emails or anything like that, make sure you go to our website right after church and you can sign up for our newsletter and you'll be able to get that as well. I'm gonna email that link out to everybody. I highly encourage you to get onto Right Now Media. You can use it for your family, for small groups, right? That are starting in a couple of weeks, but I just use it personally to help me study the Bible better. So um, I hope that that is, has this helped you guys? I know it's kind of long and it's like going to class, but has this helped anybody today to learn how to study their Bible a little bit better? Okay, I hope it has, I hope it has. Um, these are really important tools. I use my commentary almost every single day. If you wanna get into a commentary, come ask me about it. We don't got time for that anymore. So uh, would everybody stand in the house of God today? I know this has been so practical and this is not really like this great encouraging preaching message today. But I think this is so important. Like we don't talk about this stuff. How many of you at the beginning of this message would have said, I'm extremely confused. I don't know how to study my Bible. And you might even still feel like that right now. How many of you, would you just be honest and just raise your hand? Say, I've never really done this before. Okay, there's a few people in here today. And some of you, you might be kind of somewhere in the middle and you're on this journey of studying your Bible and maybe don't do it consistently. Listen, if I could sum up this whole message into some little bite-sized piece, this is the divine inspired word of God written over thousands of years by 40 different people on multiple continents and multiple languages to tell God's story of his love for you. The reason that you need to study this is so you can get to know God better so that you won't sin against him, so that your life will be more peace-filled, joy-filled, the fruits of the spirit, all the things that we want. And the way to study your Bible is using these tools that I've just given you right here. And if you'll do that, I guarantee you, your life will start to change for the better, amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that you've given us, that it's alive, that it's active, that it's a sword that penetrates even our thoughts, ideas, our emotions, everything about who we are. Thank you that you've revealed who you are through your word. Help us to study it better this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We will see you next week. You'll see me on Facebook Live studying Bible this week. Come hang out with me. God bless.